Welcome to the Crossroads podcast, where we discuss films with similar themes and tones. This week, we'll be delving into murder mysteries with the cult classic Clue and the hopefully soon-to-be-a-cult classic Knives Out. Uh, I am your host, Ryan. Say hello, Rob. I'm your other host, Rob. All right, so do you want to... Uh, let's start with some summaries of these films before we right. get into them. Um, so Clue came out in 1985, starring Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, Aline Brennan, Madeline Kahn, and a bunch of other stars who were fairly big in the 80s. It's a murder mystery based on the board game by Hasbro, where six guests are invited to a strange mansion for dinner and their host is killed. They must work together to solve the murder. Yeah, uh, so... Clue is a movie that is really near and dear to my heart. Have you seen it before? I saw it once a couple years back. I'm pretty sure they played it at North Park, and I went. Yeah, they play it at North Park every once in a while. It's yeah. I love seeing this movie in front of a we're with a crowd. It's it's great. I just I was a little skeptical first time watching it, like how good could a movie based on a board game be? And I was pretty blown away the first time I saw it. Yeah, I think what allows that to succeed is that it takes only the basic trappings of the game and then builds a whole new plot around it. Mm-hmm. Not Very... to mention Tim Curry steals the show. Oh, yeah, Tim Curry was apparently like third or fourth down the list of people they offer the role to, but I can't imagine anyone else playing him. He's Who so else? good. Who else did they offer the role to? Uh, Roman Atkinson was one of the names. Really? Yeah, and I think he would have done a good job, but not the same quality job. No. Tim Curry's just—he's so funny, but a little creepy. So you can never yeah. trust him too much. He's—I mean, Tim Curry's had a very different career since then. He mostly does voice acting, and he unfortunately is uh, wheelchair bound these days. But oh no, I did not know uh, that. Yeah, he had a stroke in uh, 20, 2012, I think. He had a pretty massive stroke and can only get around in a wheelchair. He still does interviews. He still does some voice acting. But uh, I'll never forget his interpretation of Pennywise. Very different character, obviously. He's he's, he's a butler. Ki- yeah, he's still kind of in... He's not in the same mode at all as he is in Rocky Horror, but he's still kind of in that same physicality, and he's very cartoonish and a little a little creepy. Like you're, you're a little worried to be too close to him, but at the same time, he's very clever. He's one of those like super competent butlers. He doesn't really do a whole lot until the final act. Like, he's kind of just watching the whole movie until he pieces it together. Yes. And he, he's kind of like the viewer. He's the viewer's point of view, and he, he watches the movie, he watches the scenes play out in the background, and then that last act hits, and he's like, when we were in the dining room, so-and-so wasn't here. But she was here, and they took the secret passage there, and he's just spewing his dialogue line after line after line there's almost no breathing room and they're running around the whole house and he he steals that last act yeah one thing i hadn't noticed until this viewing is that i mean i have noticed that it sort of warms up slowly but in the beginning the camera doesn't really move too much the characters are very still there's not a whole lot of energy and as it goes and goes it ramps up and ramps Mm -hmm. up and ramps up until people are running all over the house they're Mm -hmm. up down Lights going off. There's all sorts of physical comedy going on. It's it just gets gets funnier and funnier and funnier, and it's a mixture of great dialogue jokes and then physical jokes. And it'll take a five minute setup to get to a joke, but usually it, it really it, it just kills. It pays off, and that's something I noticed this second viewing too. Like 
the first time I watched it, I, I remember being very involved the whole time, very fast paced, and then watching it the second time. It's a slow build, and yeah. you know, rewatching it, you pick up more and more and more, and that slow build, it it's so gradual to the climax where you don't even notice, and then you're just running around the whole house. The energy doesn't stop. Yeah. And it, that's something the movie has going for it. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons I really like seeing this movie with a, with a crowd, if you can. Every time they play it at North Park, I go see it. Every time they play it at Screening Room, I go see it. Because I just love seeing other people react to how this movie changes. How it goes from creepy to funny to kind of both. Yeah. Seeing people's reactions their first viewing is definitely the best part of watching this movie. Yeah. One thing is that it has three endings and each theater only got shipped one ending so you'd talk to someone and they would have seen a different movie than you did maybe and you're like well that doesn't make any sense and on home release they release all three endings start like a what if scenario yes and i i like the idea of that on paper but like you said if you're talking to a friend who saw it at a different theater it's not the same movie oh yeah and I I don't know much about the production of this movie because yeah. you know I saw it twice. But yeah. what's what's the fourth ending? Uh, the fourth ending know? was Tim Curry's character Wadsworth having lost his mind because he was unable to be a good husband or a good butler, so he killed everyone. Hmm. He poisoned all the guests and all, and then he escaped. And like one of the dogs was in the car with him. And the dog got him. It. I'm so glad I didn't include that because I think it would have just been such death to the energy and the fun of the movie. Yeah, it's a little over the top at that point. Yeah. Uh, which ending did you prefer? I like the canon ending, the one that actually happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other two, they're funny, but it's a little outstretched. It's a little like grasping at straws. Yeah. There's that weird that weird uh, FBI guy who comes cre- cre- creeping around. You're like, well, what, what's he about? Yeah. And he comes back in one of the endings. How about you? What was your favorite ending? I like that one. I think my favorite one, though, is actually the second one. I'm not really sure why. But the second one's the one where Scarlet Scarlet kind of does yeah. everything, yeah. yeah. I, I think because it makes things make a little bit more sense. It She kind of how always has that femme fatale sort of thing. So having mm-hmm. her play that up, I think, really works. They really um, lean into the different roles of their characters. Oh, yeah. Like, like and she's a femme fatale, Mrs. I believe Mrs. White. She's the no Mrs. Peacock. She's the old crazy lady. Yeah, Professor uh, Plum know, is so that, so that creepy, like smart professor. Yeah, I, he's the one character I find a little problematic these days because he's at worst, or sorry, at best, he is like coercing women into having sex with him. Mm-hmm. At worst, he's a flat-out rapist, and it's yeah. like that's not really funny. I mean. The 80s were a different time. <laughs> the 80s were a different and time. I do agree yeah. his character is the only one who didn't really age well. Yeah. Um, one thing I really do like is that it, it kind of adds to the humor a little bit too, but they didn't have the money to have like dummies or anything. So whenever you see one of the bodies, it's just the actor sort of laying there. Yeah, you can kind of tell with how stiff they are on the couches yeah. and everything. Yeah, the uh, the guy who plays Mr. Body is not typically an actor. He's a musician. He's in a band called Fear, which is this like really hardcore punk band. Any listener who wants to uh, have a really fun five minutes, look up the SNL performance by Fear on YouTube. It's oh yeah, you've mentioned that to me a couple times. Yeah, 
the uh, first off, the host is bombed out of his mind, and then the second, the band starts playing, and immediately the crowd just goes nuts and it starts destroying their equipment. It's very, very weird. But what an odd choice for SNL. <laughs> yeah, but what was interesting is that that sort of weird wooden non-performance thing, I think, actually really works for Mr. Body because he comes across as really creepy and weird. Like he yes. hadn't had time to rehearse, which another thing I think makes the movie really work is that. The actors feel like they're coming up with their lines as they go. They don't really feel like they've had enough time to learn their dialogue as much. Yeah, the movie doesn't really feel scripted. It feels very natural. Yeah, I really liked that. But one downside of the movie, since we're talking all positives, I got to bring it down a little. (laughs) Um, Towards like the middle and end, it just feels like everyone's screaming at each other, and it gets a little old, a little fast. It it does. There's a lot of shouting, and it can get very grating. I I definitely agree with you that. Other than that, the movie is really fun. It's a great murder mystery. You consistently guessing who did it, and when you figure it out, you're oh that makes sense. And even with the three endings, it's still like a breezy hour and a half. Like you yeah. can get in, get out. It's not it doesn't overstay its welcome, which I think it goes is great. quick. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to bring up, we'll talk about this with Knives Out as well, is the set design is fantastic. Uh, almost all of it was shot on sets, which I think gave them a, a certain amount of control. But it just feels like this big, empty mansion. It's very, just very creepy. I like the the use of color as well. I totally agree. The set is the set's a character in itself, mm-hmm. with the, with the secret passages, and each room has its own vibe. Oh yeah! And the further they go in the house, the more sinister the house feels. But in the end, it, it's just a mansion. Yeah, and there's there's so much more we can talk about about this movie, but I think uh, I think we should move on to to Knives Out a little bit here. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to this when we compare the. Oh, two. We'll compare the two absolutely. Um, so last week you had said that Lighthouse was your favorite movie of 2019, and I think yes. Knives Out was my favorite movie of 2019. Knives, upon rewatching it, I think I like this a little more than Lighthouse. They're both fantastic, but the writing in this is so snappy. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the best film, I'm saying it's my favorite film. Yeah, yeah. I think there were better movies, but I think this is the one I had the most fun with. The cast alone makes this movie worth watching. Yes, much like uh, Clue, it has a fantastic cast. Uh, Daniel Craig doing Academy Award-worthy work, in my opinion. Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Christopher Plummer, obviously. Christopher Plummer. He doesn't do much anymore, but when he does, he always kills it. Yeah. I mean, he... He's earned his retirement if that's what he For wants sure. to do. But just the he's last, so good. the last three big movies I've seen him in are this, um, all the money in the world, which completely blew me away, yeah. and the girl in the dragon tattoo. Yeah, and with uh, all the money in the world, he only worked like ten days or something on that. He only did reshoots yeah. for obvious reasons, and mm-hmm. he, I think he got an Oscar nod for that because he's that good in the role. Yeah, he. I've always liked him, and I I like seeing him in these smaller roles because he just steals every scene. Yeah. Well, it's important to have a whole lot of impact. He's only in the movie for about fifteen minutes or so, but you feel him throughout mm-hmm. the whole. Like you feel his presence throughout the entire movie. He's the main plot device in the whole thing. Yeah. The whole reason this movie happens is because of his character. Yeah. Uh, so Knives Out was 
written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who I've been a fan of since his first movie, Brick, came out 15 years ago. And he keeps coming out with various different genres of movie. I mean, he immediately after Brick, he did like a, a very quirky Wes Anderson type movie that I really liked. I didn't see it until this year, but I thought it was very good. Obviously, Do you know the, the name of it? Uh, the Brothers Bloom. Oh, he did that? Yeah. Oh, wow. I like that movie. Yeah, it's very different from this or from Brick or from Last Jedi, which is probably the thing he's most known for, for positive or <laughs> negative views, depending on or your opinion. Looper. Looper, yeah. Looper is, I think, my least favorite of his films, but I see why people would like that one as well. Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt's great in it. Uh, Bruce Willis is great in it. Yeah, Looper's a great sci-fi, but I think... Ryan Johnson is a fantastic writer, and yeah. if you disagree, you got to watch Knives <laughs> Out because the yeah. writing in this is just top notch. It's on yeah. on point. It's it's a movie you think is very plot driven for a while until you realize it's all character driven. Mm-hmm. That it's just some of the characters are very plot nerd type yes. people, so they think of these ridiculous stories, but it all comes back to the characters. The plot gets out of the way in the first like. I'm going to say 30 minutes. Yeah. And after that, it's you're just watching these characters try and lie their way out of every situation they're in. It's it's a brilliant bit of of deception where you think it's going to be just a standard whodunit, kind of like how Clue is. And then you realize, oh, wait, that's who did it? They're just telling us like 20 minutes into the movie? Okay. Yeah. And- For, first time watching this that happened, I thought maybe I fell asleep for an hour <laughs> and I woke up at the end. But no, it... It tells you straight up, and then, like I said, the fun is watching these characters lie to each other and try and figure it out. And I think I really want to make a mention of Lakeith Stanfield as the other detective, the police detective, because he gets to be the audience POV character, kind of like how Tim Curry was, Mm -hmm. where he gets to say the things that the audience would be thinking. Mm -hmm. He gets to, uh, to say, well, that was the dumbest car chase ever, or call Benoit Benny to his face and get away with it. And I think it's really... And every time a character is obviously, obviously lying, he's just like, well, that's some bullshit. Yeah. It it really grounds the movie because other than that, it's very much a heightened reality thing. Because it's, 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 yeah. it's, it seems like a lot of times in these detective whodunits, the characters always take what the, the suspects say at face value. Where this one's a little different where the characters are telling their stories to the... The detectives, but we as an audience see the lie. Yeah, it always cuts back to a, a voiceover of what actually happened versus what they're saying. And that really adds to the comedy and the mystery. Yeah, it's what's interesting is I don't think this film is necessarily a comedy per se, but it is very funny, and it's all great character-based humor, which mm-hmm. I think helps build everything else going on. It's the kind of film that when I first saw it, I thought I was a little underwhelmed, but I've seen it probably eight or nine times now, and every time I like it more. I think every character is like a perfectly match to to their actor. Jamie Lee Curtis is probably my favorite actress in this movie. She's she's fantastic in every scene she's in. And every every actor in this movie is just phenomenal. Michael Shannon, Chris Evans, they all just Michael nail Shannon, their characters. It's great to see him play someone who's not just like this weird, creepy, heavy dude because he tends to play that guy. Like when I say heavy, I mean character type, not necessarily like yeah. size. Like if um, 
uh, if you think of his role in Shape of Water, for example, it's kind of what I mean, like this really overbearing kind of guy. And here he's this sniveling kind of weakling, and it's it's cool to see him step out of character type so much. I completely agree. Um, also, so, really, um, hmm? also really like Tony Collette, just like... She's always great. Yeah. And it's great to see her do it, because I've, I've seen mostly her in horror movies. But Only a couple hereditary. things. Yeah, oh, she's so good in Hereditary. I can't believe she didn't get an Oscar nomination for that. She should have won that. That was... I mean, that performance was... It was painful to watch, like in a good way. Like I I felt everything she was feeling. It was so just. It's raw. uh, Yeah. So to see her just like play broad comedy is is great. Yeah. Seeing her have fun in a role is very fun to watch. Yes. And she's she's clearly just having a blast doing it, which was was good. So do you think this is sequel worthy? Yes, of a fashion. I don't want to see a continuation of this story but i will definitely watch another benoit blanc mystery which is exactly what they're doing good uh i don't know if you know this but ryan johnson did say he was writing a sequel starring daniel craig nice see i think i think with that because craig is we haven't mentioned how good he is in this he plays this character that's almost uh like a cartoon. He's almost incompetent, but, <laughs> but you know, he figures it out. He, yeah. he figures it out. Yeah. Figures it out right away, but continues to play along because he wants to see what the other characters will do. Yeah. He's he's a very interesting character, very clearly based on um, Hercule Poirot to a degree. Mm-hmm. Although there's definite differences between them, although the accent is still very thick. Uh that accent is probably not like from anywhere in America, but it's still he, very delightful. He does the same accent in Logan Lucky. Yeah. And I, I think it's hilarious. It is. I would like to see another movie with him um, as that character. And mm-hmm. I saw a thing, I think it was on Reddit, where people were kind of hoping that he would do a different accent for the character in another movie. Hmm. And I think that would be really interesting if, he, if that was a put on. Like if he actually was a British dude or was from New England or something and it was... He's trying to disarm them by doing that ridiculous accent. I'll, I'm excited to see if it's a different take on the same character, but I love that Southern drawl mm-hmm. accent he does. It's so goofy. It is. Um, so what was your favorite part of the film? I got to say the voiceovers over what actually happened. I think it's a very clever take on a detective story. Also revealing the mystery 20 minutes in just because instead of looking for clues to figure out who did it, you're more invested in the actual plot. How about you? Uh, I think there's a couple of moments that I really like, but I think the thing I liked the most is that uh, Marta, her relationship with, um, uh, with Harlan and how it's very warm and very honest, and he truly sees her as a friend. Mm-hmm. So when she gets a little bit of that back from from Benoit, and she like feels good for the first time since her friend died, I think mm-hmm. that that warmth is really nice. I think yeah, the, their relationship is very. They they really only go into it for about ten minutes, but it's very fleshed out in that mm-hmm. time. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with those flashback scenes. She's always in the background doing her thing, interacting with the family. And they even say throughout the movie, you're part of our family. We accept you. <laughs> but they're clearly lying. Oh, yeah. Like, they I think they every, want to yeah. seem like the perfect family. Everyone thinks she's from a different country. Like, no one pays attention to what she actually says. It's... There's oh, so they, much they always like brush her off like, oh, and I thought you should have been at the funeral. <laughs> but every one of them, everyone says lying. it. Yeah, but I was outvoted. It's uh, it, the the movie has so much going on that it's the kind of film where you can rewatch it ten times and catch new things and be like, oh, okay, that's very, that's very fun. That's very clever. And that's so, why I like the movie so much. As a whodunit film, which one do you think is better, Clue or Knives Out? As a hmm. That's a tough question because they're so different takes on the material. I think as a pure whodunit, Clue works a little better because it's more like a traditional whodunit. Mm-hmm. Knives Out tells you who did it and how it got done pretty early into, into the film. Yes. Uh, but since they're both kind of taking off on that idea, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I have to give the, give the edge to Clue on that one. What, what do you think? I think Knives Out's a much better movie, but Clue's a better mystery. Yes. So, pretty much what you said. <laughs> it's yeah. like, because Knives Out, it's it's not really about the murder. It's about these characters. Yes. There was one thing that kind of frustrated me a little bit about the film is that it leaves the house a few times, and the first mm-hmm. time I saw it, that annoyed me, but then I realized that it's not about the house at all. It's It's not like Clue where the the house is a character. The house is just an extension of of Thrombi. I will agree with that. As once they leave the house, it, it stops being a mystery and more of a thriller. Yes, but I think the, I think the Thrombies need to stay in the house because they're all mm-hmm. they're they are caricatures. Oh yeah. <laughs> Except um, to a degree, uh, Ransom is not, but he's. He's very similar to Marta in a lot of ways. I think he's almost as smart as she is. Yeah. But he thinks he's way smarter. All these characters think they're smarter than they really are. Yes. They think they're fooling everyone. They all just want a piece of Harlan's money. And yeah. when they don't get it, when when Harlan calls them out on it, they're all they all try and cover their tracks. Like, wait, that's not what happened. You said you yeah. wanted to mention. Oh the yes. Set. Uh, so with Clue, where they shot the exteriors at a mansion and the interiors on a set, they shot uh, Knives Out at a number of different mansions. The Ames Mansion in uh, Massachusetts was mostly used for the interiors, and they had another one uh, about 15 miles outside of Boston, apparently, that was most of the exteriors. Because movies are like that. You shoot the interior and the exterior somewhere else because you want them to look cool but they don't necessarily have to function the same way mm-hmm. it's really rare to have the same building be the interior and the exterior apparently mm-hmm. movies are weird but i think this one the house is not a character in the same way it's sort of an extension of thromby as far as uh and throughout the movie the third cop i forget his name but he he's like harlan's biggest fan he's like oh those those statues are out of his movie or out of his book, Murder in the the Manger, yeah. I believe it's called. Yeah, Trooper Wagner. He's Trooper Wagner. He doesn't really contribute anything either. He's just there to be funny and just kind of be in awe yeah. of everything all the time. He's a fanboy of everything, apparently. 
Yeah, he's the one who makes the connections between like these wacky set decorations to the in the in film books. Which is even one just one more thing for um, Detective Elliot to be just like these people. Because <laughs> he's got Benoit who lives on his own planet and he's got the Thrombies who are just insane and he's got Trooper Wagner who's just like a five-year-old kid in a police uniform. Yeah, <laughs> Elliot's the only yeah. normal character. Which is funny because Lakeith Stanfield is like kind of a crazy person. Not in a bad way. He's just He always plays those wacky over-the-top characters between Atlanta, Sorry to Bother You, and various yeah. other things he's in. And to see him just play a straight man is so different and refreshing, and I think he had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, he looks like he had fun throughout it. Yeah, he's so good in Atlanta. If anyone hasn't seen Atlanta, just watch it for him alone. He's. I think there's a moment in the first episode where he made Donald Glover just break character and look at him like, what? <laughs> and I think that's very awesome. The first time you see him in that show is hilarious. He comes out of the kitchen in a bright pink apron with cookies, but he's got like a gun tucked into his side. And it's just a really good juxtaposition between... Like, his character and the setting, I guess. Yeah, he's he's very good at, like, finding that sort of place and just living it. He's mm-hmm. such a tremendous actor that I think is finally starting to get some momentum. Yeah, he's been in a lot the last couple of years. Yeah. He was, he's only in a moment or two of Get Out, but he's very, very good in that. He's fantastic here playing the straight man. Mm-hmm. He was in a movie... Um, which you mentioned earlier, uh, th- sorry to bother you, which is, it's a very weird movie, but he's great in it. Very weird movie, but very, very good. Um, so, when we uh, to kind of wrap things up, um, they're very similar films. They are, I at least for me, highly recommended. I highly recommend both of these. If you only want to watch one, I'm going to have to go with Knives Out. Yeah, I would I would say that too. Clue is a is a favorite of mine, but I think it's a little dated in certain respects, and it can be a very slow burn for a lot of people. And if you're not into that kind of '80s pseudo British comedy, this is not going to be your thing. Knives Out is a little over two hours, but it feels like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's it, it yeah, goes it's very quick, quick. and the, it's just great performances all around, witty dialogue. I think every single actor in this movie should have been nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, everyone is great in it. Even the people who have nothing to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Jaden Martell, who's from, uh, who's all, who's in the newer version of it. Uh, he was. Yeah, he's got like five lines, but yeah. he nails it. And you gotta wonder, like, what their day rate was, because a lot of them are just hanging around in all these different scenes, not really, you know, not doing a whole lot, but just hanging he's out. Funny. Yeah. Even on Ricky Lindholm, who we haven't even mentioned, who is um, Walt's wife. Walt is Michael Shannon in the movie, and she's barely in it, and it's kind of a shame because she's very funny. Yeah, she she's very good. She does a lot of... I don't know. I've, I've seen her in a few things. I know she's in uh, Last House on the Left, the remake. Oh, yeah, she's... um, She is in Garfunkel and Oates, the... Oh, yeah! Yeah. I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, which I've I really love that show and that band. What's up? Did Did you see the show or just the music? Oh, uh, just the music. There's a show. Yeah, it it used to be on Netflix. It might still be. It's it's 
eight episodes, I believe. Okay. It was very funny. It's kind of like Flight of the Concords, but with them. Okay. Yeah. That, that's, uh, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, any, uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up? No, they're, they're both great. I highly recommend watching both, but if you only have time, go for Knives Out. All right. So thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crossroads. Be sure to subscribe or like the page so you don't miss an episode. And, you know, comment, reach out, put in some some advice, and we'll uh, maybe we'll take suggestions for movies. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you guys.